The views, ideas, and content of well seekers and their guests are their own opinions, and you should always seek additional professional help around any of the issues discussed here on Well Seekers. Hello, and welcome to Well Seekers, where we are giving you simple and real life ways to love yourself and others well, to live happy and hopeful and well in your head, in your heart, and in your home. I'm Lucia. Thanks so much for being with us on this journey as we all try to bring more wellness home into our lives and into our heads and into our hearts in simple ways. I know so often with the holidays, there's so much to do. In a few shows ago, we talked about managing stress, but we also mentioned that there's a lot going on during the holidays and in families in general, but specifically, I wanted to talk about something that's become sort of a pervasive issue in our culture and been brought to the forefront more of our culture as people learn what it is. And that is narcissistic personality disorder. Now, I know that people can say like, oh, this person in my family is narcissistic or this is narcissistic. And um, does this person have a narcissistic personality disorder? That's what today's show is is really all about. How can you spot a narcissist and someone that has narcissistic personality disorder? What are those signs and those symptoms? And also, what can you do about it? If you are faced with this dynamic that you're going into in the holidays or just have someone in your life in general, even beyond the holiday times. So first, I think we need to put a definition around what is narcissistic personality disorder. Now, narcissistic personality disorder is different from borderline personality disorder. A lot of people get that confused. So we are just focusing on narcissistic personality disorder. Borderline is something that we will cover in another episode. It usually, it can be mixed up sometimes, and there's a 25% co-occurrence of people that have narcissism and borderline personality disorder. But for today's show, we're going to focus on narcissistic personality disorder. Now, if you have five or more of the following symptoms, you could be considered to have narcissistic personality disorder. Or maybe someone in your life, in your family, or someone currently in your life may have some of these symptoms. So we'll review them. But before we start, I just want to say that 50 to 75% of the people who are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder are men. But what's funny is in my own life, I've encountered at least three or four people close to me or close to someone close to me that have definitely absolutely had narcissistic personality disorder. And they were all female. I know one narcissistic personality disordered male, but the other three that I can think of in my head are definitely absolutely female. If you have five or more of the following symptoms or know someone that has five or more of the following symptoms, of course, we can't diagnose anyone without seeing them or treating them, but they could have narcissistic personality disorder. Now, here are some of those symptoms. So exaggerates their own importance. Maybe they are telling you how incredible they are, but they really, my best way of describing it is they create their own hype and they totally believe it. They're not just trying to buy into it to promote themselves. They like absolutely, without a doubt, to their core, believe their own hype. They could be preoccupied with fantasies of success, of power, of beauty, of intelligence, or of romance. So they are, this is constantly in their mind, success, power, beauty, smart, romance. They believe that they are special and can only be understood by other special people or other institutions. So this isn't just, I'm, I have special talents. This is like, I am to my core, not only special, but better special. Have themselves on a pedestal and only want to be around people they have on pedestal. They usually require constant attention and admiration. So I have seen this manifest almost identically in the four people that I know with narcissistic personality disorder. They are textaholics. They will just 
send texts and texts and texts and texts until they get a response. Maybe they'll call, but they constantly require your attention and they just believe they deserve it as well. They usually have unreasonable expectations of being treated in a favorable way, hence why they text a lot. And they generally take advantage of others to reach their own goals. So if you have something that they want or need to get to their success and their power or what they think is success and power, they will have absolutely no problem in using you. They generally disregard the feelings of other people, lack empathy, and they're often envious of others or believe that people are envious of them. And I'm not just saying that casual thing, like as a female who was in her 20s, I think sometimes I was like, oh, well, I'm definitely envious of that person and or maybe that person's envious of me. This is a real pervasive envy of other people or thinking that other people are envious of them. And the last one, and by the way, this is all from Psychology Today, so you have a source, it shows arrogant behaviors and attitudes. And this is, again, this isn't casual. This is a part of their actual pervasive personality. The causes of narcissistic personality disorder are not really well understood. Researchers do believe that genetics and biological factors have a role, but so do environment and early life experiences. Those can also contribute to the condition. So we are going to have Naja Hall on. She is a certified family life coach, and she's going to talk about ways that you can spot a narcissist in your family or in your life and ways that you can help cope with them during this holiday season. But before we have Naja on, because we did get a handful of emails of people asking about narcissists and what to do if there's a narcissist in their family and they're going to the holidays and they're nervous... I know that there's a lot of dysfunctional families out there and sometimes going back into those environments can really, really rattle us in our own mental and emotional health, which is why we're doing this show today. But I also just wanted you guys to know that you're not alone. Psychology Today, and we learned about it in school, the narcissistic family tree, and that's really what the family that has a narcissist in it looks like and how intense that dysfunction is. And I wanted to share it with you. Maybe it'll help you identify it. Maybe you already know you have a narcissist in your family, but I really just wanted to share it so you know you're not alone and that these traits are not unique. This is something that people who experience narcissism or have someone narcissistic in their life, they experience this too and you're not alone and there are ways to protect yourself in this situation. So if you're going into the holidays, don't feel like it has to be hopeless. Don't feel like if you have a dysfunctional family, you just have to live in that dysfunction. We are going to help you here today. Some of the things that dysfunctional families that have narcissism or the narcissistic family tree is it's sometimes referred to includes a few of the following things. One, secrets. So the family secret that maybe there's a parent not meeting their emotional need or maybe you're married to a narcissist, they're not meeting your emotional needs. Secrets is a huge thing in narcissistic families. Also image. The narcissistic family is all about image or your narcissistic partner. So, you know, we need bigger, we need better. We have no problems. We need to put on this face of perfection, essentially. You also probably get negative messages, whether you're a child or the spouse or the partner of someone who's narcissistic. Typically, you're not good enough. You don't measure up. You're not valued at things you do. So the message is very infrequently positive and mostly negative from someone who's narcissistic. If it's a, you know, a parent family dynamic in healthy families, there is a hierarchy, the parent and the children in which the parents are in charge of the children and they're there to bring guidance and love and nurture. In narcissistic families, this hierarchy is basically non-existent. The children are there to really serve the parents' needs. 
The narcissistic family tree also has a lack of emotional tune-in. So narcissistic parents, they really lack the ability to tune in to their kids' needs. They're so focused on their own needs that they can't show empathy or unconditional love. And they're typically just there to criticize and judge. They aren't there in the traditional parental role, which also can breed some problems. And from my own experience, that leaves a lot of grieving to be done. So if your parent can't empathize with you or give you love or give you unconditional love and they always want something from you, it's not only dealing with that, but dealing the loss of the fact that you probably are not going to have a traditional biological parent that's going to serve the role of what humanly we crave from our parents. And that is huge and it's tough. And I just want to take a moment to tell you that a lot of people experience that, but it doesn't mean you can't get that love from somewhere else. It just may not come from your biological parent. Generally, in a narcissistic family, there's also a lack of effective communication This basically means that there's something called triangulation. So information is never direct. I like to say A to B. So it never goes A to B in the family. It's usually told about one party to another, hoping that it gets back. So it'll go A to C or C to D about B. There's often zero confrontation on actual issues and a lot of passive aggressive behavior. Unclear boundaries. There are very few boundaries in narcissistic families. Again, this could be parent to child, spouse to spouse, partner to partner. Boundaries are virtually non-existent. If you have a diary, it's probably been read. Physical boundaries aren't kept. Emotional boundaries aren't kept. The right to privacy isn't kept. If you're experiencing this, you're probably, and the other things I just talked about, probably part of a dysfunctional narcissistic family. In the parent-child relationship, one parent is narcissistic. The other tends to be someone who revolves around the narcissist to keep their marriage intact. I know in the patterns and relationships I've seen, there's the narcissistic parent and then the other parent who sort of just feeds the narcissist's need in order to keep the family together. Now, if that person isn't willing to feed the need and spots the narcissist and they're healthy, they generally leave, which often causes a split or divorce in narcissistic families. When I first learned about the narcissistic family tree, this one is always interesting to me. In healthy families, siblings are supposed to be really close and it's a nurturing, supportive family. I know that was a foreign concept to me um, because that was not my upbringing necessarily. But in narcissistic families, it's the exact opposite. Some are favored or seen as the golden child. Some are scapegoats for their parents' problems or negative feelings. And siblings in narcissistic families rarely grow up feeling emotionally connected to each other. They feel pitted against each other. They feel like they're in constant competition to be the biggest, the best. And there's really rarely an emotional intimacy when you grow up in a dysfunctional narcissistic family. Feelings are something that are often not talked about or discussed they're taught children or spouses. If you're married to a narcissist, you're taught to not embrace your emotion. They don't see things realistically. So when you see things realistically, they don't want to hear about it. Um, They're not in touch with their own feelings. So they don't want you in touch with yours. That not good enough message that we talked about before, 
it comes across loud and clear in narcissistic families. I know in my own experience, that not good enough message was something that really played a significant role in my life and my early adulthood and was something that I have worked so hard to eradicate from my thought pattern and it'll still crop up like you're not good enough because of things that were hammered into my own head. And I've seen it play out in other families as well. So there is this deep, self-loathing that narcissists often place in people in their lives, which is why I just wanted to do this show so badly is because it's not true. If you're around a narcissist or part of a narcissistic family, I can tell you that when you hear you're not good enough, it's absolutely false. You are definitely good enough. And that is something that has probably been told to you over and over again that is just not true. And then the last thing that is commonly a trait of a narcissistic family is just complete dysfunction. Often it's covert. Sometimes it's not covert. Sometimes it's completely obvious. The dynamics are just not what a healthy family dynamic is about. The dysfunction could be violent. It could be abusive. It could be emotional. It could just be neglectful. But whatever it is, the drama is usually not on the outside. It's usually hidden inside the home, which causes even more damage to spouses, children, and anyone involved in a narcissistic dysfunctional family. So I hope that helps you see that if you are part of a narcissistic family tree or you have a narcissist in your life, that one, you're not alone. And and two, that these are common, common things that happen in these families. The good news is, is if you're not alone, it means that there's a solution and this is something that's been handled before and dealt with before. So next we will have on Naja Hall, who's going to come on and talk about some simple real life ways that you can spot a narcissist and deal with one in your family here to help us just in time for all of our fun family and um, work parties and the variety of things that we have going on in our lives. So we'll be right back with Naja on Wellseekers. You're listening to Wellseekers, a show where the journey is just as important as the destination. You want to be part of the seekerhood? It's easy. Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com. And we're back on Wellseekers with our guest, Naja Hall. Naja is a certified life coach and founder of Blended and Black. Naja, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Lucia. Naja, you're just the best when it comes to co-parenting, mixing blended families And if you guys haven't checked out our website, definitely check out Blended in Black because so much good advice. I don't even have a family and I enjoy your advice, Naja. Just so you know. Thank you. (laughs) Someday when I have have a family, I'll use your advice. Um, So we were talking about narcissistic personality disorder and how, especially as we head into the holidays, you may be encountering family dynamics that are somewhat dysfunctional. And how you can spot both a narcissist, maybe in your family from growing up, that you didn't realize this was something that they had, or maybe you're in a relationship with one and Mm. you're feeling some discomfort around the holidays and you can't quite put your finger on it and it's narcissistic personality disorder. We were talking about some ways to spot it, but could you sum up maybe some simple ways to spot someone in your life that could be a narcissist? And then also, how can we deal with them during holiday functions or holiday parties, ways that we can cope during this time if we have to be exposed to someone in our life who is a narcissist? The number one advice I have 
to where if you think you have come across a narcissist, if you already know for a fact you have, is to run like hell. The best way to deal with a narcissist is to put distance between you and this person. Physical distance, emotional distance. Now, if you're in a situation where it's a family-type setting, this person is a blood relative, and you have to be around them. Like many of my clients, they are co-parenting with narcissists, or they might be raising, unfortunately, a narcissist. They don't have a choice, so they can't just make a great escape. If you have to do this, here's a few ways to recognize that this person is a narcissist and I'm going to tell you how to deal with it. So a narcissist has a huge need for superiority. Mm. You're going to find that the loud, most grandiose person in the room, I need all the attention. I need all the validation. I don't mind putting down others for that. That person has narcissistic traits. If they have a major sense of entitlement, that means they probably feel a little inferior. So they have to fake the superiority, and they do that by downing you. They do that by embarrassing you. The narcissist in your family might take a secret, something that you told them in confidence, and blast it all over the holiday function. Mm. You know why? Because they don't care about your feelings. They need to be the central place of attention. So what you do to deal with that, if you've unfortunately already told them secrets or something about yourself, then you just kind of got to hope that they don't spill the beans. There's nothing you can do to protect yourself. You can't say, oh, I'm going to tread lightly. Oh, I'm not going to piss them off today. I'm going to give them what they ask for. If they feel like it and the need presents themselves, they're going to do this to you. So don't divulge secrets to them. Don't entrust them with things that you hold near and dear. If you can't keep a complete distance, keep a healthy distance. So this is like prepping for the big holiday. If the narcissist is, let's say it's your mom or a sibling or a cousin or a step-parent, like you were talking about, someone that you have mm-hmm. to interact with and you can't completely say, I'm never talking to my dad again, or I'm never talking to my sibling again, but you're going to have to be in close proximity. So you're saying one of the best ways to cope with that is to sort of do some pre-strategizing and not tell them anything. Absolutely. So distance and set a boundary, maybe with love. And one of the the ways to do that is to not tell them anything personal. Absolutely not. And you have to consider that narcissists aren't really capable of feeling the emotion that we call love, how we feel it. They know how to mimic it. They know how to parody it. And some of them have, I've read, and you have too, Lucia, you're a therapist, can be in successful relationships, but it's not based on love as you and I know it, that warm, fuzzy feeling. It's more on you relying on them and you needing them. And so if you're dealing with this narcissist in your family at a, at a function, you know that you're not going to be able to rely on this person for anything. They're not going to be able to empathize with you and see anything for your, from your perspective. They do not have that ability. That's like asking a man with no legs to get up and walk. The narcissist in your life cannot feel any sort of empathy for you whatsoever. I totally agree. And I've tried to tell clients that before and tried to explain that to them. And it really is a hard thing to grasp for a lot of people. You know why? Because narcissists are so good at being manipulative and lying. Mm. We're their prey. The Mm. narcissists see us as prey, not victims. They see us as just, you know, prey. And those of us that are more difficult for them to get over on, we're the ones that are challenging. 
And we're the ones that they would probably be in longer relationships with because they're fine trying to find ways. How do I break this person down? Mm. This person is not speaking to my innate insecurity. They don't see it. How can I overcome and break this person down? It's really a game to them. You know, I tell clients and people that are, you know, having a co-parent or, or being raised by narcissists too. You're asking somebody with uh, no legs to get up and walk. Do you know how stupid you sound? And, you know, you're a therapist. You can't cuss and yell at your client. <laughs> when mine are being stupid, I can tell them, honey, you're being really stupid. Okay, babe? Okay, sweetheart? <laughs> like, you're not being smart here. I actually coached, too. Oh, you have? <laughs> I am trained as a therapist, but I do like the your because nausea is a coach. There is something I believe there's a lot more power in in coaching because you can do that. Oh, you can just be way more straightforward to the point. Like, mm-hmm. let me tell you what's going on. <laughs> let me tell you yeah. what's going to yeah. happen if you keep doing that. Yeah, no, if absolutely. You keep doing this, you know, narcissists breed other narcissists, and you know, you can look around and see how did their parent treat them? Did they have a lack of attention growing up? Because We develop these personality, behavioral disorders from having to cope with something. More than likely, it's from our childhood. So a narcissist is probably not going to be honest with you about their childhood. They have this fictitious picture in their head now that they've painted, so they're not going to take you home to meet their own family. Narcissist is probably going to adopt your family as their own and start abusing those people, too. And I pray for you if you have children with them, and I especially pray for those kids. Mm. being raised by a narcissist ain't no joke. So great idea. So do some pre-setup and pre-strategizing to make sure you are not telling them too much information. What else can we do? Let's say we're in, so say you are put in a position where you have to, there's a holiday gathering at someone's house or you've committed to seeing them because for whatever reason, they're a very close relative or there's just no way out of it. If you're in a situation with, someone who has narcissistic personality disorder, give us some ways and strategies to handle that if we're, say, like more one-on-one and if we're in a large room. Okay. One-on-one. A narcissist likes to blame somebody. They're never going to take accountability. Never. And I'm using some strong words here, Mm. like ain't going to happen. Never. Like they're not going to, they don't have the capacity to take accountability. And so they're always going to deflect. And more than likely, it's going to be on you. It's going to be on you. It's going to be ripping you apart, taking apart something that you just said. So I would be very careful with my wording around the narcissist. Because if they see that you're an easy target, that you're the one that they can kind of deflect all these insecurities that they have off on, then you're going to be the one that they pick off. Mm. If you stand up to a narcissist, in the moment, you might win. But then you don't have the ability to attack back like they do. Like, you'll probably say something, stand up to them, and it'll be done for you. This is going to replay in the back of their minds for a long time, and they're going to find ways. You know, like they're going to try to find ways. So I'm going to say, like me personally, I have attacked a narcissist. I have attacked a narcissist, and I let it go, thinking that the situation was done, because in that moment, I shut them down verbally emotionally, I made a statement so strong that there was no comeback for them because it had they had they come back, had they said any sort of retort, their horns would have started showing. Mm. People would have been like, oh, they're like, oh, okay. So I basically exposed the narcissist. They hate that. I don't know if you guys like from our 80s babies and you watch Gremlins back in the day. It's oh, yeah. Too old. 
Those scared me. But you know how you pour water on them and then they started to like on the cute little little ones? Yeah. And then they turn into the ugly green gremlins? Yeah. It's the same thing with the narcissist. If you bomb them with some sort of retort or comeback, something that's so strong, you're going to uncover that. And once you expose them, everybody in that room can either see it and either they're going to sympathize with the narcissist because they're really good about getting people on their side or they're going to have their eyes open. And then the narcissist is going to start to work work those people. They're going to try to start strategically turning people against you. Because remember, this is personal for them now. It's a vendetta. You embarrass me in front of my family at this holiday function. You embarrass me in front of my coworkers. You think you're going to get away with it? Now they're going to start their campaign against you. Yeah. In my experience, there was someone that I was dealing with and helping out in a situation, and they had called out the narcissist. The narcissist then proceeded to do a campaign, sort of not to directly attack them, but to get everyone else on their side and make them think that they were this perfect person. And it's so interesting how they tend to go to people that don't really know them and win them over, and then the people that are closest to them, they just treat like absolute garbage (laughs) treat like garbage they do they absolutely do yeah because it's all about image Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know that it's all about image it's all about how do i look but once you uncover their nakedness and expose them for the empty wretched beings insecure babies that they really are then you're a public enemy number one Mm -hmm. and then they gotta go back and turn around and save face so circling back to what i said at the beginning if you can avoid a confrontation I'm not telling you to be a punk. I'm just telling you to look toward the future and some uncomfortable situations that you can avoid by just walking away. Yep. Yep. Okay. Walk, honey, walk away. It ain't worth it. Just literally trust me. Walk away because you don't have the type of time or energy that's going to take to clean up the spirit smear campaign that they're going to start against you. And I would say just stand in your own truth. I know that some of the advice that I gave and even in my dealings with people in my life that have this disorder is just be you because people mm. will eventually see the truth. The truth will set you free. Like that is a true line. If you just stand in your truth and you're a solid, good person, the people that they are running this smear campaign with eventually will see because they'll see through that. And so just be you, do you, and people will, will eventually see the truth. Absolutely. And I know it's frustrating. You know, we're sitting here telling you, be you, do you, don't respond to all the lies. It's hard to not to, to, to not defend yourself. Oh, yeah. Because people's image of you is being changed right now. And it's a damn lie. It's yep. not true. Yep. However, these people, the narcissist, you know, you the narcissist always exposes himself. Like what she has said, what's in the dark comes to light, the truth sets you free. These narcissists are going to show themselves to this particular person, and a scenario will happen, and that person will be like, well, dang, hmm. maybe maybe it wasn't true what so-and-so said about what's-his-face. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> when it happens to you, that's when you when things get put, put into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and stand in your truth. Stand in your truth. But if you respond, you're going to make them paint them into the victim. Yeah. And so... You know, anything to, to get sympathy. Naja, is there one more way? So, I, I mean, I love these. Pre-game, I'm going to call it pre-game, pre-strategize. <laughs> Don't tell them anything. And if you're in the situation, just light conversation, walk away when they try to engage you. Boundaries. When I say distance with love to people, I mean love for them, but also love for yourself. Mm-hmm. It isn't 
a cute look or a pretty look if you end up going off on this person. They're just getting what they want. I've professionally and personally experienced that. And whenever you fight back with a narcissist, it's never going to go well. So if you can just light, fluffy, and keep yourself moving to the next person in the party, even if it's five of you, just really light conversation, in my experience, professionally and personally, is the best way to handle it. Like Naja said as well. Keep it surface, as I like to say. Just keep it surface. Yeah. We ain't going deep, honey. We're just going to trade on the surface. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have one more? So do I, you know, I can think of, I can go on with these for days. If you have narcissistic parents, a lot of people do. A lot of us have narcissistic parents. If you're a person that has specifically been raised by a person that may or may not be diagnosed, more than likely, they're probably not. What you need to understand, and this is more about self. This is not really how to deal with them. What you need to understand is it's not your fault. You are not their image of you. What they're saying to you are lies based on their own perception of their own life, basically projecting all of their things onto you. You are probably their emotional repository. You're their dumping ground for all the things that have gone wrong in their life. Because remember, they can't take accountability. And you're like, I'm just their kids. I'm like, how could I have created this? Honey, you didn't. You did not create that. This is something that is generational for them. It is a mental disorder, personality disorder. So this is more about, as Lucia was mentioning earlier, self-preservation. Just understand that it's not your fault. This is one of the best ways to deal with the narcissist. Everything that they're using to attack you, none of this has anything to do with you. It's all to do with them. Please consider this and please know this before you start to dwindle on the inside. It ain't your fault. I love that. That's such a great reminder to go into is into a party with or into a situation with in the holidays. This is not about you. They're going to try and make it about you. They're going to try and pick you apart because you are not a narcissist and because you are probably an empathetic person. You're going to self-reflect and say, how can I be better? What part of this is me? Yeah. But when it comes to a narcissist, none of it is you. Mm. And Naja, the other thing that I try to remind people of, and you probably do this with your clients as well, is that there is, especially at the holidays, there is a mourning process. And we talked about this a little bit on the show as well before. But there's a mourning process that comes, especially when the narcissist, when it's a spouse or it's if it's a parent or even a sibling, there's such a mourning process in the fact that like you're never going to have the mom that you think you're going to have, or you're never going to have the dad that you thought you were going to have or the sister or Mm. the brother, because they're just are incapable of being that person. Don't you agree that there is sort of a mourning process that people go through around this time? Like, Hey, this is the mom I had, but it's not necessarily the mom that I want. It's so hard to mourn something that mourn a person or a relationship with a person that is still alive, well, and breathing that makes it so impossible. That's why it's so easy for the narcissist to get you caught up in their web. That's why. It's not like they're dead and buried. This person is alive. They look normal. They speak normal. Sometimes they're very evil to me. But, yeah, I, I, what you said, if, if there's a mourning and grieving process, most of you listening will not successfully grieve or mourn because you will always go back and give that narcissist a chance. 
you'll believe their lies, you'll get sucked back into their web, and it's going to be a never-ending cycle. Absolutely. For those of you that want out of it, you need to start to grieve today, right now, at this very moment. You need to say, you know what? I don't have a traditional mother-daughter relationship. No, me and my sister will never be close because she's not uh, she's not capable of expressing any sort of empathy. No, she won't be the cool auntie to my children. You, you have to start saying these things and reaffirming with yourself that you won't have this. But like I said, most people listening won't be able to do that. You know, we all say we want to preserve self, but really it's some self-inflection that you really got to do. Are you strong enough to do that? Most people are not mm. because we, like, how can, it's just barely impossible to grieve a person that's uh, alive and well. Yes, Absolutely. It's different if they were physically hurting you, you could run away. But when they're emotionally scarring you, that's just detrimental. Absolutely. Absolutely. Naja, always the best. Always the best advice and always great to have you on the show. If you guys want to learn more from Naja, make sure you check out Blended and Black. And can you give us all your socials? Yeah, everything. So <laughs> my hub online is Naja Hall. That'll take you to everything that I do, najahall.com. And my blog, my website, my business, my life coaching business is at Blended and Black. (laughs) And it's not just for black people, y'all. It's for everybody. I named it that because I like the word black and I'm black and all that stuff. But everyone is welcome. So thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and definitely check it out. I'm not black and I've checked out your website. I'm not, like I said, I'm not even a parent. So even if you're not a parent, go on there because there's a lot of, there's relationship advice on there too. Oh yes. Yeah. So just check it out. (laughs) Doesn't matter. (laughs) Naja, thanks so much for joining us. And we will be right back on Well Seekers. Look, we're already friends, right? So let's make it official. Just find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Well Seekers. Thanks for being part of the Seekerhood. We couldn't do this without you. Now, back to the show. Thanks so much to Naja Hall for joining us on the show. Some really great and easy ways to spot a narcissist and to deal with a narcissist. And I hope that the information that we talked about in the beginning also helped you realize it's tough being part of a dysfunctional family. Believe me, I grew up in one and it was a challenge but I can say that there are ways to heal. I feel fully healed and like I have moved ahead and gotten over a lot of that dysfunction. So if you are out there thinking you're never going to, I'm here to tell you, you absolutely will and that there is a way to heal from pretty much anything that's happened in your life. It may not completely ever be eradicated some of this stuff, but there is absolutely a way to cope, deal and live a happy, healthy, hope-filled, and very well life. So don't get discouraged and keep seeking and keep finding your answers until you get them. Now, before we go, um, you guys know that I always give you a tool to take away for the holidays. Now, I specifically curate a box a season. We have a winter kit. And in that winter kit, we talked about a few things already. Of course, we do that empowering question. But one of the things that I really love about the the winter kit that you can order just, you know, on its own if you don't want the kit, if you go online is and and just so you guys know, we don't make these products. We just package them together and we'll give you links to them. So we're not even making money off if you just go and buy one of these products. I suggest you'll need You don't even need to buy this specific one. I just like to include a link in case you want to get the specific one. But if you go to our website in the shop section, there is a 
an exfoliating body scrub that I've been using and I absolutely love it. And like I said, lots of exfoliating body scrubs out there. If you don't want to try this one, you don't have to, but I'd like to make it easily available and it's really affordable. And one of the things that body scrubs do is they they not only make our skin look beautiful because they exfoliate the dead skin off, but they also really help with things like joint aches and muscle aches. Even if you want to just take some Epsom salt, fill your your bath with it, or even take a handful, mix it with water and scrub it on your body if you really want something simple and easy. That form of self-care is huge, not only for the winter, but I like to do it just to remind myself that I am worth it. That message that's been talked about so much during the show, that not good enough message you get in dysfunctional families or around narcissists, that is absolutely not true. I like to take steps towards self-care to remind myself that I am good enough, that I do deserve love, that the things that were told to me aren't necessarily true, that the world that was created for me and that are created for dysfunctional families and people with narcissistic families is not a world you have to live in for the rest of your life. You can set boundaries. And I know it seems like it couldn't possibly work, but it absolutely does. When I take steps towards self-care, towards loving my body, towards reducing the pain in my body that I have just from life in general, but also from the past by using things like exfoliating body scrubs that are on the site or just Epsom salt and taking 10 minutes in a bath, I remind myself I am worth it. I am good enough. I have control over my life. I have control over my boundaries. And this is one way I practice and remind myself of that. So I want you guys to know that not only as a tool to take with you, but just as a reminder that self-care is so much more than just putting a body scrub on. When I am scrubbing my body, those are the things I say to myself, like you are worth this. You are worth this extra two minutes. You are worth this time. You are worth this extra dollar. You know, so often people that are in dysfunctional families and something that I definitely have experienced as well is that you don't get that message often enough that you are worth it, that you're good enough, that you should be taking care of yourself. And even if you were not part of a dysfunctional family, you don't get that message very often. And that is what we are here to do in a short amount of time to just tell you guys, you are worth it. Your body is worth it. Your mind's worth it. Your heart's worth it. Your home's worth it. No matter where you come from, in your past or where you are in your present, that is available to you, that self-love and just changing the cycle of dysfunction is available to you at any time. And it can start with a simple scrub. It can start with a simple mantra. All you have to do is start it. It is entirely possible to break free of family dysfunction, create a new life for yourself and a new love for yourself. And if there's any message I could leave you with during the holiday season, it is that. So whether it starts with the scrub or starts with just that message passing on from me to you to tell you from someone who's been there and someone who's healed from it and moved on from it and has created a life full of all the things that I want pretty much <laughs> missing a couple things an app is something to talk about in another episode um, but it is entirely possible and we are here to support you in any way we can so hopefully this podcast helped you some from all of us here at Well Seekers, we really, truly hope you have the most beautiful, joyful, hopeful, and happy holiday. And if you don't have that yet, we hope you keep seeking because you will find it. It just takes one small step at a time. And we're here to walk with you on this journey in your small steps or large leaps. We'll be right by your side. So thanks for listening to Well Seekers and we'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays. How would you like to join the conversation? Email us anytime at hello at wellseekers.com.